Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from OnShot.net. Episode 47 Have Properly Resourced Subpanels. I had a conversation in our staff room just before the winter break. Um, and it was about Brian Ormond, of all people, and how he became famous. Now, we weren't cruel enough to, to question why he was famous. Um, but what I did was, we, we, you know, I ventured back into my sister's obsession with 90s boy bands, thinking of anyone from OTT to My Town. Uh, but in the end, we had to go to good old Google there who to come up with the answer um, and it was that he'd auditioned for the band Six um, which was um, from a reality it was a reality I mean for those of you too young it was a, an Irish version of the reality TV show Pop Stars uh, you might remember that um, it was a show that made Nadine Coyle from Girls Aloud famous uh, after she uh, wasn't allowed to continue in the competition uh, after lying about her age now you probably won't remember anything else um, about that series, Pop Stars, except perhaps the song that they released, which was a cover of a Guys and Dolls song, A Whole Lot of Lovin' Going On. Um, anyway, it turns out um, it wasn't the 90s at all. Um, it actually was 2001 when this all happened. And I remarked, um, oh, gosh, that's fairly recent. Um, to which more than half of my staff room turned on me saying they were in primary school at that time. <laughs> 2001 happened to be the first year I started teaching and at that time there was a huge teacher shortage. Now this was very good for me personally because I wasn't qualified as a teacher so I got my first job. However when I did qualify as a teacher uh, just a year later I came back to a situation where there was an oversupply of teachers thanks to a massive influx. Um, I, I, I actually have no idea how or why uh, but there was a massive influx of teachers. And fast forward another decade or so, and we're back to, and maybe actually it's two decades, I suppose, almost, uh, we're back to another situation where we have a teacher shortage. Except this time, untrained personnel are not allowed to teach in schools, thanks to the Teaching Council, and absolutely correctly in this case, um, and uh, we're still in the middle of this shortage. Several years on, really, there's been a shortage for quite some time. This means that it's been next to impossible to get substitute teachers when someone is out of work. And while there's been moves to address this issue in the last three years, in this episode, I'm going to be arguing that if I was the Minister for Education, I'd be properly resourcing supply panels. Well, hello, hello. Uh, you're very welcome to a normal episode of If I Were the Minister for Education. It's actually the middle of February and it's the first one I've been able to do in 2021 would you believe there's been so much stuff about COVID-19 um, and then loads of stuff about the reopening of schools and then not reopening schools and so on so if you're listening to this in the future and you were wondering why did it say why is it nearly three months since the last uh, normal episode um, the reason for this was I was doing a lot of special episodes around uh, the coronavirus and its impact uh, on um primary education. Now, um, I suppose you, you probably were wondering, where was that Brian Orman story going at all? I think I was wondering it, uh, wondering the same thing. But next week, you can tune in to my thoughts about Adele Lynch um, from Bewitched. No, man, not really. Um, 
Uh, but anyway, um, I um, there's several people uh, in this podcast who are going to be getting credit, um, to be honest with you, um, who don't usually get credit from me uh, when I'm running a podcast. And mostly the INTO in a very rare move uh, for me. I'm always giving them a hard time, I know, so I feel maybe they deserve a break. So here is uh, their break uh, from me giving out about them. Don't be too excited, though. Uh, they're not going to get a golden star or anything, but... Um, this is going to be um, a bit of a story about supply panels and I want to bring you back to ancient times, ancient, ancient times and at least they're ancient times anyway to half of my staff, the ones that turned on me on the Brian Norman story. Yes, all the way back to 2000, um, 2000, 2001, the turn of the millennium when there was a similar substitute crisis than there, that there is today a massive, massive teacher shortage. And anyone, basically, with a degree, any degree, could almost walk into a job as a primary school teacher as there just simply weren't enough teachers to fill the jobs that were out there. It's where I got my first taste of a primary classroom, back in 2001. And um, for those of you who don't know about my story of how I got into teacher, uh, to the teacherdom, um, I uh, qualified as a computer scientist uh, back in the year 2000, and that, uh, 2001, and that was the year... Um, where uh, Ireland or the world experienced a dot-com bubble burst. Now, uh, for those of you who don't remember the dot-com bubble bursting, uh, don't worry. It was a long time ago for lots of you. But uh, it was a time, basically, where the IT sector completely crashed and there just wasn't a single IT job out there. Uh, I don't think any of you could imagine a world like that right now. But anyway, uh, there wasn't a job to be found and I was temping around. And I like to, I, I tell a long story about this and I'm not going to for this uh, purposes of this podcast. You can hear my, my life story when I write my memoirs. Uh, <laughs> as if that's going to happen. But anyway, um, I, uh, I was uh, quite accidentally uh, got into at school as a teacher um, I was uh, temping uh, I think I was cleaning an aeroplane or something at the time uh, when I got a call uh, from my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife Roz uh, basically saying um, she was sub- uh, she was basically uh, uh, doing temporary she had a temporary year unqualified in a school and basically someone hadn't shown up for the first day they'd gotten a better offer and the principal was looking for anyone at all with a degree so Roz rang me and said look do you fancy teaching and I thought well it's better than um probably better than cleaning aeroplanes for the rest of my life. And the next day, I was sent into uh, a school um, in Tala in Dublin, and the deputy principal at the time uh, brought me to my classroom. This was the first time I'd been in primary school since I was in primary school myself. And I can't remember if she actually shoved me in the back as I walked in the door. But uh, once I got into the room, I was presented with six children. Um, uh, And I, I had no idea why there were only six children in this classroom, but uh, a few months later, I discovered I was being given um, a um, a general learning uh, class um, with six children in it, and uh, my job was to teach them. Um, Anyway, obviously, I was terrible, um, uh, but I loved it. Um, I loved the job, and I went uh, straight after that year, where I hope I didn't do those children too much damage, I uh, went off to uh, to the UK, um, to qualify as a teacher. Um, and really, I, uh, in 2002, I packed my bags to go to Aberystwyth in Wales to do the PGCE. And it's probably the still the most interesting learning I feel I've ever done in my life. I absolutely loved teacher training. I adored it. Um, and at that time, the UK, like Ireland, also had a massive teacher supply crisis. And in the UK, they were actually paying people to become teachers. I actually got a living wage for the entire time while I was in Wales. And had I even taught for one year after qualifying, 
qualifying in Wales, I would have received what was known as a golden handshake of £5,000 on top of my whatever my, my wage would have been. Um, meanwhile, in Ireland, uh, they set up a new teacher training college at the time, which was directly as a con uh, to uh, ensure that we got more teachers into the system, and it was the first ever private college for teacher training. And rather than paying people to become teachers, people paid them to become a teacher. Now, I don't know how the logic worked, but hundreds of Irish people decided to part with thousands of euro rather than popping next door to the UK to get paid to do almost exactly the same qualification. Anyway, in any case, between the hundreds of people who did Hibernia College course and the hundreds of people who came home from the UK as the trauma of actually teaching in the UK over there was just, it wasn't worth any amount of money, not even that £5,000. Honestly, I actually got, I, I mean... I actually got eaten by a teacher, not not literally eaten. Um, that's that's uh, is that a Dublin phrase? I don't know. But I got killed. I got given out to. I wasn't actually literally killed either. I'm I'm still here. But I was given out to by a teacher because I actually didn't back, uh, double back a label on one of my displays. Anyway, the effect of this new college and had people uh, returning home from the UK, and the regular folk who just went on to normal teacher training college, within a year or two, there was actually an oversupply of teachers again. You couldn't get a job for love nor money. There was no one throwing five grand pe uh, checks around, and there were schools getting over 500 applications for maternity leave positions. It was actually mad. Um, and then we had the recession. Now, thanks in part to the INTO's decision to sell newly qualified teachers down the river, um, sorry, I said I was going to be nice to the ITO. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, it also opened up a mass exodus of teachers over the age of 50. Because if they didn't retire before a certain year, they were actually going to lose a chunk of their pension rights. Yes, my LPT friends, this was the main reason why you have a lower wage than your colleagues. Because ultimately, in one summer, we lost one out of four teachers to the system as anyone uh, who could retired basically to ensure they got the good pension rather than the bad pension. And as part of getting that good pension, that's why LPTs now exist. But ultimately, uh, as I said, in one fell swoop, we went from having one of the youngest and least experienced workforces and a teacher shortage, um, we got instead, and that's remained. Um, so basically we have... Um, that's what we ended up with, sorry, a very young and, and very inexperienced workforce um, and a teacher shortage as well. However, you might say, but sure, that was ages ago. Sure, that was 2008. That's 12 years ago. Sure, half of the staff probably were only in secondary school at the time. Um, anyway, surely with all the folks coming out of Hibernia every year, we'd still have loads of teachers. Surely we still have loads of teachers. Well, you can thank the INTO again because... They failed to support uh, the problem of lower pay teachers. And I'm aware that I'm saying, I'm actually recording this the day before the, res um, <laughs> before the, the latest pay deal uh, emerged, where the INTO's definition of pay equality will probably pass uh, by the time you're hearing this. And INTO, staunch INTO members will say, but sure, there's no in pay inequality anymore. However, um, okay, let's, even if it does pass, which I, I think it will, um, I would not, 98% uh, is not the same as 100% pay equality. Uh, you'll have to excuse the noise in the background. Uh, there, that's my dog coming over to say hello. Uh, let me just pick him up. Oh, there he is. 
now he can have a look and see what I'm doing. Um, he was growling possibly at the, at the idea that uh, lower paid teachers are still lower paid teachers. But anyway, uh, they didn't know, the INTOs failed to sort out that problem. And uh, basically countries in the Middle East lapped up thousands of qualified primary teachers, offering them a reasonable wage. And on top of this, in particular in cities like Dublin and Cork, rents were rocketing. And substitute teachers couldn't think uh, there is no way of surviving without a guarantee of work. So substituting in big cities uh, wasn't going to be an option. And then no hope of a mortgage because of the lack of permanency in jobs. And by the middle of the 2010s, the substitute crisis was absolutely entrenched. And by the 2015-16 year, it was actually having a major impact in schools. Um, interestingly, an article by Anna May Rooney, who you may know from the CSL, the Centre for School Leadership, um, wrote in the Education Matters yearbook, um, it's possibly the earliest reference I can find to the crisis levels um, the substitute crisis had reached. It was singled out as actually the biggest challenge for the Centre for School Leadership's first year um, in action in 2015. And by the end of 2016, just five years ago, the INTO had reported that in one day in December, there was a total of 36 substitute teachers available in the entire country. In the inter 36 in the entire country. And according to figures, in previous years, there would have been an average of about 400 teachers available daily for substitute work. So that shows you the extent. Joan Burton, she was the, uh, she was the Labour Education Spokesperson for Education, uh, honestly, don't ask, uh, she was moved even to release a statement stating that 36 teachers available on the day wouldn't cater for the ne necessary cover for Tala, let alone the whole country. She continued to give an example of a principal who described their situation, and I might as well read it out because it might be familiar to some of you. This is, what she's, this is what this principal said. Recently, I had three sick colleagues and one on a pre-arranged course day, so it's four people. All three absent teachers were on certified sick leave. I made more than 20 calls to my own personal list of substitutes and nobody was available. I eventually sourced one teacher through the INTO sub-search facility, but she was on her way to a medical appointment with her own sick parent. There were no substitutes available through the IPPN Texas facility. This resulted in two of the classes being distributed throughout the school, with one class having 39 children for the day. I also had to use two of my many of many learning support staff to cover these classes on the day, resulting in potential disruption to children with special education needs. And yet, as late as May 2017, that's about four, three and a half years ago, the Minister for Education, Richard Bruton, stated at the Joint Oireachtas Committee, after a question from Joan Bruton, in overall terms, my department does not have any evidence of a recent or current general shortage of primary teachers, including for substitute positions. That's um, a very bad impression of Richard Bruton. Sounds nothing like him. To us, as teachers, one might come to the conclusion that he was blatantly lying. Of course, there was a substitute shortage. Sure, half the year my classroom had a few extra kids from other classes in them. Or a learning support teacher might have said, sure, you know, might have, might have gone in. So, um, you know, I, I, I mean, no wonder, um, you know, Richard Bruton thought there was no problem. Because... I would have, uh, because we wouldn't, because when a learning support teacher had to go in to cover a class, that isn't recorded really anywhere that we haven't been able to get a substitute. Um, 
And because schools generally sort out their own problems by splitting classes and getting support class to cover, um, as well as being invented with TP students sometimes and even admin principals covering the days, none of these um, uh, substructures are really recorded anywhere. There's no, there's no way to record them. So there really was no evidence. So Richard Bruton actually wasn't lying. Um, he was not blatantly lying because he had no evidence. It was up to the stakeholders to do something. And it was the CPSMA uh, who actually came up with the goods in late November. They did some research. They came to the following conclusions after a study. 90% of principals experienced difficulty sourcing a substitute teacher. 83% of principals stated that recruiting substitute teachers on that particular year was more difficult than in previous years. And between the 1st of September and the 20, 27th, sorry, yeah, the 21st of September and the 27th of October, that's eight weeks, I think, yes, eight weeks in 2017, their schools had experienced approximately 15,552 days of substitutable absences, of only which 10,328 were covered by a registered teacher. So only 66% of days were covered. Finally, in 2018, January 2018, the Doyle finally passed a motion accepting that a crisis existed whereby the demand for substitute teachers vastly exceeded supply. They also accepted the pay inequality contributed to this, which is very interesting, especially as you're probably listening to this now. Well, if you're listening to this in 2021, um, you will, um, I suppose, realise that, uh, as I've said, um, I, I'm not quite sure how the vote is going, but if you're a staunch INTO member, you may say, oh, well, there you go, um, pay inequality is sorted. But everybody else will realise it hasn't. Um, and also, you'll, um, but either way, you'll have noted that actually nothing meaningful has actually happened. But more about that later. Uh, given that the Department of Education now accepts that there was a problem, what do you think they did? You know, look, January 2018, three years ago, what did they actually do? Well, some of you might have guessed that they decided to create a proper substitute panel structure around the country to ensure that schools would have a place to go to to get a substitute teacher and a teacher will be guaranteed, this substitute teacher will be guaranteed a full-time job for the year. But wait, isn't this episode actually about creating properly resourced substitute panels? Could it be possible that the Department of Education didn't actually try and solve the problem? Well, as Norma Foley says, indeed. Yes, instead of actually solving the problem by creating jobs, they decided to form a committee. Yes, yeah. You, 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 you heard me. Yes, they formed a committee. To be honest with you, that's unfair of me. <laughs> they didn't just form a committee. No, 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 no. What Richard did next was to try and ban career breaks because those selfish teachers were getting their qualifications on taxpayers' money and marching off to the Middle East instead of staying here. And would they not pull on the green jersey, as David Ruddy, the then IPPM president, put it at the 2018 IPPN conference in one of the lower moments of IPPN's recent history? It was also the year that marked the first time a leader of the INTO was a keynote speaker at that conference, somewhat cementing the marriage between INTO and IPPN. Interestingly, the IPPN conference was one that seemed dominated by the substitute crisis, given that there was no substitute cover for teaching principals to attend the conference. Anyway, back to Richard Bruton and his gaffe. He did, however, lift some of the more arbitrary restrictions for substitute, uh, for substitute teaching while job sharing 
um, or, or on a career break to alleviate the problem. It was a bit like um, it was a bit like trying to fill an ever-extending crater with handfuls of sand, uh, but um, nonetheless, it was something. 2018 was then dominated with submissions from the INTO and IPPN about the shortage of substitutes in the early part of the year. I think it's worth looking at the small bits of both their submissions. In fairness to the INTO, see, I told you I was going to be nice, they did their homework. They really, really did their homework, in fairness. They identified a number of reasons for the shortage of qualified teachers, some of which made a lot of sense, such as accommodation costs and better prospects abroad. However, their solution was properly resourced supply panels. The submission spoke of them as early as 1993, would you believe, when three pilot subpanels were established with great success, and this was actually extended to 17 substitute panels. And despite their success, the government abandoned them in 2010. The INTO included a formula for calculating the supply and demand required every year of teachers. And, the, and it was an inter- I mean, it was a, it, it's nothing, not rocket science or anything like that. But basically, it said, look, the cohort of primary registered teachers at the end of a previous school year, um, minus teachers retiring and teachers who have exited teaching, that, that could be found from the Department of Education, plus newly registered teachers, that's from the Teaching Council, minus teachers' current career break, succumbents, and job sharing. So that would be the supply of teachers. And then the demand of te- for teachers would be the projected pupil enrollment for uh, the school year from the DES, so that's uh, that. Um, uh, divided by the pupil-teacher ratio plus the substitutable teachers required to cover for uh, teacher absence. And once you had those figures, uh, you know whether the supply would outstrip the demand or vice versa. Uh, And in fairness, it's pretty simple. Uh, And in conclusion, they basically strongly recommended a nationwide supply panel. The IPPN also had their own submission, which gave a few more statistics, but mostly the same conclusions. However, to be fair to them, they did have one more recommendation, which I'd like to think... I had a small part in, yes. Um, it was to consider the fourth year of the B.Ed. to be a full year's internship as a teacher. Basically, my suggestion for why what I thought Drihid should work like. Around that time, I was almost successful at proposing my model for Drihid officially with the IPPN. Now, why that didn't happen rests with one person, <laughs> which really annoys me still to this day, but that's not for this podcast. But anyway, um, th- th- that was a one, one idea from the IPPN. So anyway, that was uh, the early part of 2018 done, and absolutely nothing changed. By April, nothing was moving except at the 2018 INTO Congress, where there was a motion passed to establish supply panels. And for those of you who've ever been to or experienced the INTO Congress, I'm sure it's no surprise to you that a motion being passed at Congress doesn't really mean much. However, it is a public record, albeit one that makes little difference. You know, something like pathway to pay equality or INTO's definition of pay equality. A year passed, anyway, with um, no progress. Richard Bruton's reign of initiatives to try and make Ireland the greatest education system in the world ever, part 16, or no, sorry, the greatest education system by 2026, thankfully came to an end when he was replaced by a man clearly out of his depth. As well as this, Sheila Noonan left her position failing to get pay equality for uh, lower paid teachers and then consequently failed to be elected uh, to Europe in the European elections and she was replaced by John Boyle, my former basketball teacher. 
Uh, as well as that, the INTO and IPPN merged into one organization. Sorry, sorry, that bit isn't officially true, but, you know, it, it's, it's true. So anyway, at the 2019 INTO Congress, in a prearranged and purely, poorly, poorly acted drama, John Boyle reiterated the need for the reintroduction of such panels, and the minister, Joe McHugh, announced that he'd introduce a pilot program of six panels. Oh, you should have been there. The celebrations went wild and well into the night. Champagne flowed and the whole education system was saved. Never again was there a day when a teacher was out of school that a substitute couldn't be found because Minister Joe McHugh and John Boyle had agreed a national panel of six substitutes. So thanks for listening. Yeah, anyway, yeah, seriously, seriously, six substitutes. That was it. Now, in fairness to the INTO, they did say the supply panel needed to be extended nationwide, but I'll never understand why they feel this need. I don't understand why any of these organizations feel the need to welcome announcements like this. You know, like the only way I can, I can, I can understand it, imagine this scenario, right? You're a teacher in your class and your children need copybooks to write in because there aren't any, okay? Let's think of that situation. So you go up to your principal and you say, would you go off and would you get me 30 copybooks from my class? I have 30 children. I need 30 copybooks from my class. And after a couple of days, your principal comes back, two copybooks, with two copybooks for you. Now, honestly, would you thank him? Now, you'd nearly be better off with no copies. So to be fair to the INTO, um, the INTO aren't the only ones doing this sort of nonsense of you know, welcoming these limited, like, limited and useless um, sort of things like six substitutes, you know, being, being praised and having champagne and everything over it. To be fair, the, like, they're not the only ones who do it. The, IP, the IPPN, which I realise are the same as the INTO now, are prolific at it, you know, jumping at every chance to thank the Department of Education for anything. You know, it doesn't matter what they do these days. Oh, thank you, thank you. And, and you know, really, that my friends, is that. Or at least it would have been if it weren't for the small matter of a global pandemic. Yes, effectively, nothing really changed about the panels until 2020, when the country basically had to shut down and the light was shone on our education system for how poorly resourced it was. Given that classes could no longer be split due to the pandemic because uh, you couldn't mix classes, not having a substitute available meant potentially classes would have to close down and children would be sent home. Now, naturally, the Department of Education reacted miserly by opening 40 supply panels for the entire country. Not enough, as Joan, Bruton would, uh, Joan uh, Burton would have said, um, Joan Burton would have said to, uh, to cover Tala, never mind the country roughly 200 extra teachers. Now, I don't need to tell you that that wouldn't even give full cover for Dublin. Uh, maybe, maybe it would have given you Tala, but not Dublin anyway. And in fairness, the INTO worked in the background, to be fair to them, and increased this to 108 supply panels by September. But it's still far from enough. But given that student teachers are generally working from home these days, they are filling in most of the gaps. So we're back to that situation where there's not a lot of evidence that there's a problem. But for those of you who are wondering why 108 supply panels isn't near enough still, this represents probably between 350 and 400 extra teachers only. There are 3,200 schools. So we're looking at roughly one teacher available for between nine or 10 schools to substitute. And just to put this into perspective, 
Since September 2020, and I'm going on facts and figures up until the winter break here, there have only been three days in the entire school year where I have had a full complement of teachers, and I'm only one school. And as I'm preparing, uh, and as I was writing the script, I was uh, when I was writing the script basically a while ago. Um, so this is back in December when I was writing. I'd actually intended to, write, uh, to have this public uh, this uh, podcast out over two months ago. Um, I'll actually have five of my teachers out. I would have had five of my teachers out the next day. So most of the subs that I have aren't coming from the panel because they're all booked out from other schools. And of course, the INTO and the IPPN have welcomed the increase in the supply panels, the equivalent of me rocking back to that teacher with another three copybooks, basically, again. And come to think of it, mathematically, I'm being more generous in my allocation of copybooks, to be honest with you. And um, basically, when COVID-19 is over, perhaps having the 108 supply panels will be enough. Maybe it will. It would be an extremely foolish minister to take those panels away again, but I imagine once the pandemic is over, we'll be back to recession times, and whatever extra things we have received will be taken away. I'm thinking cleaning uh, money. It's the first time uh, ever uh, in my school where I've had enough hours to keep the school reasonably clean. I'm not saying it's, it's, uh, it's the, to, the, to the same standards as you find other public, health, uh, public sector uh, places, but um, it's, it's, a, it's just about enough to keep the place clean. Anyway, we can, uh, as I said, um, we can already see this, sorry. I mean, as I said, uh, for example, um, about money being taken back, for example, we can already see it in primary schools that our minor works grant next year looks like it's not going to be paid because they, um, they say they've just paid it early for, uh, you know. Uh, anyway, there wasn't a mutter out of anyone about that and not a uh, for from anyone. But uh, anyway, that's that's not for this episode. Uh, I, uh, I suppose uh, we can we're, we're, let's stick to our panels. But uh, really, to be honest with you, that's kind of it. The short story is that we haven't had a proper panel system for a very long time, if ever. It reached a crisis point in the 2017 to 2018 year, and it continued in this crisis until we had a global pandemic, which basically shut down the country. And at this point, we really have a very limited supply panel, and it's quite arbitrary. It doesn't follow the formula that the INTO actually created, which was a very, very good formula. The INTO have told the government the answer to the problem, and they even provided them with the tools to fix it. However, despite all the shouting and all the bawling, the posing and the posturing, we still don't have a properly resourced supply panel. So if I were the Minister for Education, that's what I'd do. And maybe then the INTO and the IPPN would rightly welcome it. So there we have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's great to actually do a normal episode. As I said, it's the first time in a couple of months since I've been able to do a normal episode if I, if I were the Minister for Education. I nearly can't say it. It's been so long since I've said it. But if you did enjoy this episode, I'd love you to tune in every Friday uh, evening uh, when we release these episodes. It's... Um, um, you know, I hope I'll be able to do more of these ones. Uh, be, you know, I presume there'll be more COVID news coming along the way uh, with schools reopening uh, in the next few weeks as I'm recording this. But uh, let's hope we'll get a few of these episodes in before then. Uh, if you are looking for this episode, uh, this podcast anywhere and you haven't f- and you found it by accident, you can subscribe on any of your favourite p- uh, uh, platforms, uh, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, uh, or any other podcasting. I've actually it's an iTunes called Apple Podcasts now. Um, if uh, you need to search for On Shaw's podcast or If I Were the Minister for Education. I'd also really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast so each new episode is available to you a little bit earlier than uh, for everybody else. And please also feel free to review this podcast so others can find it more easily. 
And that's it for me anyway for this fix. Great to do, as I said, uh, a normal episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again soon. All the best. Bye-bye.